to TheEditorial.com, where we interview visionaries and change agents in and around Cambridge and Boston. I'm Heidi Legg, and today I'm interviewing a voice that seems to hang out in our pockets and purses and in the hands of our kids, Siri, Apple's personal assistant and knowledge navigator. When Susan Bennett, who lives in Atlanta, Georgia, took on the gig to voice over for a computer software, she had no idea she would soon become the omniscient Siri the voice of a generation. I sat down with Susan via FaceTime to ask her a few of our favorite Siri questions and to discover how it feels to be the voice of Siri. Siri, do you love me? Of course, I love everyone. Siri, are you real? That is a difficult question to answer. Uh, yes, I am real. There is a person behind this voice. Siri, will you marry me? <laughs> I'm sorry, I already have several husbands. Siri, where are your parents? Oh, my parents are no longer on the planet. I was born in Burlington, Vermont. And Siri, what does the fox say? Oh, <laughs> Let me think. I used to know. <laughs> what does it feel like to have one of the most familiar voices of our generation? Well, the fact that I'm usually behind closed doors when I do this kind of recording, uh, I'm a little bit uh, distanced from it. So, you know, it, it doesn't really seem real to me, actually. It's, it's still a pretty unusual thing, and I'm, and I'm always amazed when people want to talk to me or ask my opinion or hear the story. I can understand why people would want to hear the story. But, uh, yeah, it's a very unusual phenomenon because the original Siri was an iconic thing. It was the first concatenated voice to sound pretty human. It's also probably one of the most well-known voices to kids under the age of 14. Absolutely. Yes. How did, yes. You, get, how did you get the job? I don't know. <laughs> Many times in this uh, digital age, we are we voice talent are auditioning without even knowing it. So I had done the original recordings in 2005 uh, for a text-to-speech company, and these are the uh, you do recordings of uh, just thousands of hours of reading of. Uh, well, hundreds of hours, reading thousands of phrases and sentences, after which technicians go in and extract sounds and reform new sentences. And these new sentences are what end up on the digital devices. But at the time, 2005, it's not that long ago. It's 10 years ago. But it, technologically speaking, it's like the dark ages. And so when we were doing all those recordings, we didn't really know where they were going to end up. We were told they were going to be on a phone system, but who could picture a phone system in this little tiny computer being, you know, in, in being held in your hand uh, that was interactive with you? So, yeah, it was a pretty amazing thing. So when they finally decided that you would be the voice of Siri on the iPhone, did they have to come back to you and say, guess what? We're going to make you the most intimate vo voice that people are going to carry around in their pockets. No. No, they did not. Apple really came in after the fact. Um, I had just learned this fairly recently that Siri was developed by, um, give me one second, I can tell you. Um, and 
he came up with the name Siri because Siri in Norwegian means a um, beautiful women, woman who helps you along your way. But the way I, I interpret Siri is uh, just a normal woman that tells you where to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, and so when were you allowed to reveal you were Siri? At any point? Was there any holdback? Well, I was the one that held myself back because I wasn't ex exactly sure um, what the ramifications were going to be. I had to look into it legally. I had never signed a non-disclosure, so that was never an issue. I, I, but I had to look into, you know, I, didn't, I wanted to make sure I did the right thing. And in this digital age, one of the important things uh, to a voice talent is that is anonymity. So it took me a really long time to decide to reveal myself as Siri because I wasn't sure. It was definitely a double-edged sword. Um, I would no longer have anonymity, anonymity. Everyone would know what I looked like, where I was from, how old I was, and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, in this digital, digital age when hopefully people are just choosing you from your audition based on your performance and your voice. Uh, but they have a different feeling about you, and, and they, they form uh, an opinion of you when they know exactly who you are. So it was a very, um, it took me a long time to, quote, reveal myself. Um, and there were, there were absolutely no ramifications from Apple, uh, except for the fact that they did change all of the original Siri voices in the OS 7 system. And all of us original series believe it's because we didn't have non-disclosure agreements. And like they want their digital voices to be anonymous. So uh, all of us who were the original series had been promoting ourselves. And so we promoted ourselves right out of a job. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I played around with my Siri before our interview, and her voice sounds just like your voice. So what am I hearing? Well, uh, either, it, well either they have uh, completely... Uh, audiologically manipulated it to sound a different way, but to me, it, it's I, it's it, it is not the same voice. So, do, do, you like, <laughs> do, you, do you like being Siri? Well, uh, it's been an interesting experience. Um, I, you know, I can't say that. Uh, th that's a hard question to answer. It's you know, I'm I'm a pretty private person, so it's it's kind of strange to be famous for what I consider to be, you know, just doing my job. <laughs> I was, I wanted to ask you that. Do people stop you in public when you're at Target in a restaurant and recognize the voice and sort of do a double take? Like No, no because people, people don't recognize the voice, first of all, because it's a contextual thing. They don't expect to hear that voice. And, but secondly, my speaking voice is higher than, than Siri. The, you know, the, uh, the Siri voice is a little lower. How may I help you? What can I help you with? And so she sounds a little bit different. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with the fact that we, I recorded for four hours a day, five days a week for an entire month for the original vocabulary that became Siri. And so, you know, when you use your voice that much, it gets tired, uh, particularly for this type of recording, because it's very, very tedious. Um, there is absolutely no... Uh, no difference in how you do the performance. Every every uh, sentence has to be said in the same way, with the same inflection, over and over, for different words. But you're talking like this the whole time, da 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 da, da for hour upon hour. And so uh, you know the the voice gets tired. And so uh, 
You said to me that there were a few original series. Explain that for me. Oh, yes. The original series were different all around the world because it's not my voice, you know, speaking Thai or something, you know. Of they course. have to get a native speaker, yeah, to, to be on the phone. So, um, yes, in fact, the original series in England was, it's, his name was Daniel, and he was voiced by a pretty famous um, uh, British voice who works a lot for the BBC, and his name is John Briggs. Uh, so yeah, there were, there were many series. So I'm being very myopic cause I only know you as Siri. Were you the only English Siri from, uh, America and Canada? Yes. I was the original North American Siri. My kids love asking Siri to sing them a song and it takes about six uh -huh. or seven requests before they can get Siri to sing the Wizard of Oz. Uh, are there other questions that we could try that will have surprising answers like that that we haven't discovered? You know, I don't really know because I provided only the voice and uh, Apple and the original creator of Siri did the rest. And so I have absolutely no control over the sentences, but I will have to say that I consider myself the Steve Jobs Siri as opposed to the Tim Cook Siri. And there's a lot of humor and comedy that uh, Steve Jobs um, put into the app of Siri. And there are, your kids might enjoy playing around with, they won't recognize the reference because it's too old. But there was a, um, a comedy group called the Fire Sign Theater. And they're still around, but they started off in the 1970s, and they were uh, really prescient about what they did. They they did a lot of comedy about future life and the technology that was coming. And it's absolutely astounding that they basically predicted how we live now. And uh, so there's one story where this guy named Clem, who is a computer hacker, goes to the fair of the future because he wants to hack the main computer in the world. And he goes to the computer, and he's taken off guard by um, a hologram that greets him at the door and says, uh, and what is your name? And he's taken aback, so he goes, ah, uh, Clem. And so from then on, you know, that's his identity. He is now ah, Clem. <laughs> so anytime he's referred to, it's ah, Clem. He refers to himself as worker, though. So if you talk to Siri and say, hello, Siri, worker here, she will respond, hello, ah, Clem. What function may I perform for you now? That's so awesome. That was, a, that was a very, very into the Steve Jobs because the Firesign Theater is, it's kind of a, they have kind of a cult following. And another thing too is if you ask Siri the meaning of life, more often than not, she will say 42 because that's a reference to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is also a, a comedy kind of sci-fi thing. <laughs> He really was an iconic force. I was working in San Francisco in the mid-90s, and he had just started Pixar, and I was part of a media company called Niehaus Ryan Group, and Pixar had invited us in to come and pitch for the business and uh, to do all their media business. And I have to say, it's a meeting I'll never forget, and he wasn't the Steve Jobs that we know of today at that point, and it's still, the minute you walked in that room, you knew you were, you know, you were in the presence of someone who was extraordinary. Absolutely. And I think one of the people that uh, that the general public forgets about is Steve Wozniak, his partner. And Steve Wozniak was really the, the person that built the computer. Steve Jobs had the idea, but he didn't have the capacity 
capacity to the capability to uh, to build the computer himself. So Steve Wozniak did that. I mean, he built the first Apple computer. And I had an opportunity to meet him last year at a tech conference, and he is the nicest person. He is so smart, and he's very interested in education. And he will, at these different tech conferences, he would sit for hours and talk to, you know, students and, and you know, young entrepreneurs and help them. So it was a dynamic duo for sure. Maybe you can help us get an interview with him one day too. <laughs> that would be really oh, fun. Fine. <laughs> I do have his card. Has your view of technology changed through this experience? And how? You know, some of it is very good, and I think some of it is is kind of negative. I I don't like the fact that kids now, uh, you know, just press a button anytime they want something done. They can't. They don't think it through. They're not taught to resolve a problem. They're not taught to sit down and think something through. It's just, oh well, you can do this by pressing this and this. So they learn how to do um, functions, and they learn how to follow directions and and follow patterns. But I, I'm not I'm not sure how much you know, individual thinking they're doing. And, but, you know, my son is 38, so I'm kind of out of touch with really young at this point. <laughs> well, it's, it's really fun to hear your story of how this came to be. And uh, I, I wish that you'd been the one singing The Wizard of Oz because I thought you had a lovely voice no. singing. <laughs> we love you. listening to you. You do have a beautiful voice. People must tell you that. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I've been very, very fortunate, and I, I love my work, so. Yeah, I forgot to ask you, what's next for you? Do you want to share any projects you're working on? Well, I'm, I'm basically just doing a lot of the same work that I had done, and I'm also doing some uh, speaking events, uh, telling the story of Siri, which is kind of a, uh, that's a departure for me, which is what I was looking uh, for when I decided to reveal myself as Siri. I thought, well, I want, I want to break out of my booth <laughs> and, uh, and do some different things. So You should be paid properly. Your voice is everywhere. I mean, I hope that Apple's come back and paid you somehow. <laughs> We're going to push it out there that you're Siri, and I hope it gets you some speaking engagements because you deserve it. <laughs> oh, well, good luck with that. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was great fun. Thank you. I enjoyed it. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. This podcast has been brought to you by XChem Pharmaceuticals. Oh.